results since I learned how to get offended. Now, when people don't see things the way that I see them, I just get offended. And it teaches them how not to see things from their point of view. I'm offended that you would think you have the right to post that to your Facebook account. People have every right to see things from their perspective, as long as their perspective is the same as my perspective. Here's a water for you. I don't drink out of plastic. Why would you not know that? People who don't get offended are insecure, take no self-responsibility, and have no sense of purpose in life. I pray for them. JP, I don't even know why you're offended. I'm offended that you don't know how you offended me. JP, I wanted to uh, thank you and show my gift of appreciation by giving you my book, because I know you, you need it, right? You're just assuming that I know how to read? There's three easy steps to getting offended by anything. Step one, listen to what someone says and then selflessly make it all about you by taking it personally, even if it has nothing to do with you. I really want you to have a great life. You're assuming my life isn't good enough the way it is? How dare you? Step two, you want to create a large amount of tension inside your body. You really want to concentrate on bringing the tension to your stomach, your chest, and your face. How are you doing today, JP? I'm offended that you would have to ask. Step three, now project outrage onto the other person. This will make it seem like you're getting rid of the tension inside your body, but it actually drives it down deeper inside you. And because it stays there, it'll make it even easier for you to get offended next time. I'm offended that you would wear that shirt. I'm actually a little offended by that. I'm offended that you're offended by that. Since I've learned how to get offended, I bring huge amounts of joy to everyone in my life. People feel like they're free to just be themselves when they're around me. I'm just happy I can make such a big difference in the world. <laughs> okay. Well, offenses, being offended. Does that seem like anybody you know up there on the screen? Don't mention any names. Okay. Um, today is probably going to be a little more teachy than preachy. So I'm going to ask you to follow along. But I think what we're going to find in this series is we're going to find ourselves, unfortunately, or fortunately, and we're going to find some of our social media friends that will, will remain nameless. Can you guys do that with me? Yeah. All right. Well, the whole term salty, bro, I had some adults ask me, and I knew right away, I'm like, we're getting old. They asked me, what does salty bro mean? And it actually means, are you mad, right? I'm mad. But the word, the word salty bro, it means, are you mad? But if you're mad about something, likely you're offended, right? And so we're going to kind of go with that twist on it. Are you guys good with that? You guys good with that? Well, the Bible talks a lot about being offended. Like most topics, the Bible is not silent. The Bible is very clear. But it seems like we are a society or a people that gets offended at everything. We get offended at a, a specific football player. We get offended at presidential tweets. We get offended at, we are in a perpetual state of offense. For whatever reason, we seem to be in this perpetual state. What does that do to us then spiritually? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about 
for the next several weeks. In Mark chapter 4, verse 17, we covered these verses a few, uh, about a month or so ago, and we spent 21 days in prayer and fasting when we examined our own hearts and the own soil of our hearts to see if we are good soil, rocky soil, and so on. But there's a verse in here and a word in here that I intentionally skipped over because I knew I was coming to it today. So let's read in Mark chapter 4, verse 17. And have no root in themselves. Jesus is talking about people who receive the word of God, but they have no root in it. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth, the words, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. All right, so this is the King James Version. And he says that when persecution comes or when something happens, they get, everybody say it with me on a count of three. One, two, three, offended. They get offended. I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe they would do that. Oh, my goodness. Would you, you just can't believe what they said. You just can't believe what they've done. And so Jesus says that these people, when persecution comes, when hard, hard words come, right, when hard words are said, they get offended. The NIV or the ESV translations say they fall away. They, they pull back, which is really what happens when you get offended. <gasps> and you pull back. The Greek word for offended here, or fall away, depending on your translation, is the Greek word skandalizio. And it means, literally, it is the word for trap. To trap something. Do I have any hunters in here? Let me see your hands. Yeah. How many of you have ever had to trap something, right? What do you, what's one of the things that you do when you trap? You set out bait, right? You set out bait. You might even lead a, lead, leave a trail of breadcrumbs bread to the trap and then put some extra in there, right? This Greek word, to fall away, literally means to trap. It is in those days, have you ever, you ever seen maybe in a cartoon or in a TV show where you see a branch pulled over and there's a rope in a circle and there's some bait in there and when you get down to get it, the, the rope pulls and the branch flips up and they're trapped, right? And maybe they're hanging upside down or, or whatever. That's exactly the type of trap that this word is talking about. That these people, when they hear something or they see something, they are immediately trapped by it. They've been ensnared in a trap. Here's what I can tell you as a Christian. If you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, offenses will keep you off your destined path. We get into something, we go, oh my goodness, look at that, that's so neat, that's so cool, I'm going to get into that, and then somebody says something or something happens and we get offended and we're snared. Boom, and up we go and we're trapped. And the enemy has us trapped. Because we followed the breadcrumbs right into the trap. And the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. I thought about it this morning as I was getting ready. I thought, I wonder how many people really realize you live in a war zone. You live in a spiritual war zone. You Satan and his demons God, Jesus, and his angels. Now, the war has already been won. It was won 2,000 years ago. We celebrated it last week. And he's coming back to claim his prize. But until then, 
There is a battle for souls. And in a war, if I can go stealth and you not know I'm there until suddenly it's too late, that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's a trap. And so Satan knows that, listen, if I can't keep you from accepting Christ, if I can't keep you from being baptized, then what I want to do is I want to prevent you from impacting other people, and I want to get you ensnared in something that will keep you from journeying on your spiritual path to spiritual maturity. I need to ensnare you in some, in some sort of gossip. I need to ensnare you in some sort of church scandal. I need to ensnare you in some sort of something that will keep you off your path towards spiritual maturity. So being embroiled in an offense keeps us from God's best in our life because we get so consumed with the gossip. They said, he said, you said. Look, we have that. Y'all troll it every day. Right? Facebook. We all troll it. You know you do. Don't even play. Right? And you're like, oh my gosh. Right? And if you're like me, sometimes you get a text from your mom, I didn't raise you like that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right? I raised you better than that. I'm sorry. Right? And then I am like in a quandary. Do I delete it? Do I not delete it? What do I do? Right? But it's true. We, we meddle, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we meddle in other people's business a lot. And so Satan wants to keep you from your destiny. That's his goal. And if he can trap you, if he can scandalize you into a trap emotionally and get you offended at something so that you're focusing on that, he's like, all right, well, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. You won't be able to hear from God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, says that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. God says, I don't want you to be ignorant about how the devil is going to try to take you off path. And this is one of the ways that he does it. Now, how does an offense happen? How do we get offended? What really happens at the root? Of an offense. An offense happens when you expect another person's values to be the same as your values. Right? So when mom texts me and says, I raised you better than that, my value in that issue is not her value, and mama's gonna do what mama does. Right? She's the guardrails, get back on, get back on the road. Right? You you expect other people to have the same value. Shocker, they don't. People don't have the same values as you do. And then we get up in arms about it, right? And then we go talk to our friends, and we we get all worked up over stuff that really, in the end, all pertains to this world, not the next world. Yet we're supposed to be people of faith that are focused on the next world and not this world. But we get ensnared and trapped in an emotional trap that keeps us from connecting to God. And then we wonder why our life isn't working out the way we thought it was supposed to, right? So what I'm going to kind of give you right now, there are three types of offenses. There are three different types of offenses. I'm going to go through them quickly, and then next week we're going to talk about the main 
offense that most all of us at one time or another have had, and you may even be in right now. So the three types of offenses are this. One, there's a direct offense. There's a direct offense. Number two, there's a given offense. And number three, there is a borrowed offense. And we're going to talk about borrowed offenses because it is by far, hands down, the fastest growing, largest offense in our society. So there's a direct offense, a given offense, and a borrowed offense. The first offense, the direct offense, is pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. The direct offense is when somebody offends you directly, right? They're talking to you maybe, and they just say something, and you're like, oh my gosh, right? Or they send you an email, something that's directly done to you. Whether they know it or whether they don't know it, it's directly done to you. A given offense is when you offend somebody else, okay? When you offend somebody else. A given offense, I think that most of us in this room, really, we don't want to offend people, but sometimes we do, right? Again, an offense is when your values don't align with my values, and I expected you to have my value, and so I get into an emotional quandary over it. So a given offense usually happens when we, we are not aware, kind of a lack of self-awareness, and you just kind of say things, and you assume the other person has the same value, and so you just say it, right? You ever been around somebody, and so if this is you, just don't be offended about what I'm about to say, okay? Have you ever been around somebody that says, I just keep it real, I just say it like it is, I'm just going to keep it real, and I'm just going to say, I'm just, I just say what I think. I can't help it, I just say what I think. Okay, listen. Run from that person. <laughs> Run. They do not respect you. They do not. That was a big warning sign to say, I'm about ready to offend you and make you mad. I just say what I want. I don't care. I just, well, I just, I, I just keep it real. Keep it, you know, keep it real in the hood or whatever you all say. Right? And you all live in lapel. I, okay, whatever. But that's a big beep, 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 beep. Stop conversation. Like, suddenly get hungry, like, look, oh, it's lunchtime, it's, it's, it's 3 o'clock, yeah, but it's time for my lunch, I gotta go. I mean, get out, get out, because they are about ready to unload on you stuff that you don't even want to hear. That's a person who doesn't respect, that's a person who doesn't have a brain-mouth filter, okay? Now, I've been known not to have one, but surprise, I have one. You should see the stuff that doesn't get through the filter. But here's what you gotta understand. Sometimes we are people of grace and mercy, and sometimes the brain mouth filter doesn't always work. That's where you have some grace and mercy and say, okay. But we all know those people that just say whatever they want, however they whenever they want, and there is no filter. Those are not healthy people to be around. Okay? Run if somebody says that. So whether you mean to or not, we all, we all will eventually offend somebody. If you are in leadership of any kind, be ready, all right? If you lead in any way, shape, or form, you're going to offend somebody. It's a part of the job. When I started pastoring, they said, listen, as long as 50% of the congregation is happy, or as long as 51% of the congregation is happy, you're good, <laughs> right? You're, doing, you're, you're fine. Just expect it. It's part of leadership. And so here's what happens, though. 
when you do that, you may or may not be aware of it, and that's okay, okay? And we'll talk more about how to handle offenses as we go on with the series. I want to talk to them about the third offense, the fastest, biggest growing offense in our culture, in our society, and that is borrowed offense. And I'm just going to define it here, and we're going to have a whole sermon on it next week. But a borrowed offense is when you hear about something that happened, and then you borrow it. You weren't involved in it. It might have happened to a friend, and your friend comes and says, can you believe they said this about my kid, blah, 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 blah. And you go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe your son's not like that. I can't believe that they would say that, blah, 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 blah. And you go off. They're offended. You've now borrowed the offense because you weren't even there. You weren't involved. You're just taking their side because they're your friend. You borrow the offense. I'll never do business with them again because they did me wrong, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, well, there it is, blah, 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 boom. You borrow the offense. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't borrow stuff. Look to your other neighbor and say, give it back. Just give it back. <laughs> give it back. You don't want that. Guess what? Of all three offenses, this is the stupidest. You know why? Because it doesn't even involve you. It might involve your friend, and you want to stick up for your friend. That's natural. But it doesn't involve you. Quit meddling in stuff that's not your business. Just stop. Right? So here's what happens. The people, either you've given an offense, you've been directly offended, or you borrow an offense. Here's what I can tell you from working with people. People who hold offenses end up offending others. And they don't even know it. Because it's just in them. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you start holding offenses against other people and you hold on to that offense and you stew on it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to offend somebody else. It's inevitable. Offended people offend other people. Hurt people hurt people. People are like, well, I go to church and I got hurt. Yes, that's because church is a hospital. And there are hurt people sitting here. What we're supposed to do is have grace and mercy and love and care for one another despite what they've said or done about to us or against us. That's called love. Spiritually immature people get mad, leave a church, and never address the issue and go find another church. That's spiritual immaturity. Spiritual maturity says, you know what, they offended me. I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to work this out and see if we can't get, come to some sort of an agreement. That's spiritual maturity. There are way too many immature people running around skipping from church to church to church because they got offended at one church and they go to another one and then they got offended there after a few years and they go to another one. Rather than going to the person and working it out and talking it through, and maybe as the Bible says, as Paul instructs Timothy, maybe bring in a third party to sit down and work through the issue. Right? That's what we're instructed to do as Christians. But we in the Western culture run from it. Well, I'll just go somewhere else. I'll just go somewhere else. I don't want to deal with it. I'll just run from it, right? I got news for you. God is in the people business. In case you haven't figured that out, he's in the people business. And when his kids fight and don't get along and push one another away, what do you think happens? Some of you are parents. What happens when your kids fight, start pushing one another away? You don't like it. Now, now, you parents that have got one kid, you don't understand, <laughs> okay? And sometimes I think you're the luckiest parents in the world, and other times I think you're the most unluckiest parents in the world. Because if something breaks in the house and you have one kid, you know who did it. 
You got two kids. You got to get through. Well, he did it. He did it. He did it. No, sit down. Shut up. Somebody did it. Right? And so God is in the people business. And what we have to understand is that when we fight with one another and not show mercy and grace, here, here it comes. Are you ready? Your offenses will cut off your prayer life from God. You will cut off your pipeline to God by being offended. The Bible says specifically, he will not listen to your prayers when you're offended. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. It's not in my notes, um, so if you can put that verse on the screen, great. If not, I'm just going to read it to you. I just wrote this in my notes this morning. I'm going to start in verse 1, Isaiah 59, verse 1. Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has kind of turned their back on God. And this is what Isaiah says. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. He's like, God's not hard of hearing. Yes, he's old, but he's not hard of hearing. And his arm is not too short to reach down and save you. But verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It's not that he won't hear. The Hebrew word, better translation, would be he will not listen. Why? Because you've got issues in your heart you need to deal with. And if you come to God and you're ready to deal with those issues, let's deal. He'll start listening. Billy Graham, Billy Graham explained this verse this way. He says, he says, it's not that when God cuts you off like that, it's not that you're not a part of the family of God. You are. You're still a part of the family of God. But it's much like in your own family, if you get together for a, he explains it like a family gathering, you get together and one member of the family just goes off about something. Everybody sits back and goes, whoa. And he just offends everybody. He, he, he just you know, does something to, to make everybody in the family mad, right? And, and kind of people in the family now are like, stay away from them, right? You make the parent mad. The parent's like, look, I... No, you're not getting back on your Xbox until we resolve this issue. And so God, as a loving father, says, We're not, I'm not, you're not moving forward anymore in your spiritual life until we deal with this issue. And so it's very serious. God takes this very seriously. I'm going to show you another verse in this series where he ranks it right up there with murder. In 1 Peter, he ranks it right up there. He takes offense and sin very seriously. It's not that you're not part of the family. You're a part of the family. You're just kind of sleeping on the couch with God right now. Like, God's like, go to the couch. I ain't, mm-mm. We, you, you come back and ask for forgiveness and want to make things right, we'll make it right and we'll move forward. But until then, your spiritual maturity is stunted. He goes, and I'm not listening to your prayers. It's pretty heavy stuff. Pretty, but, but if your kid comes and says, hey, can I go spend the night at so-and-so's house? No, you're grounded. Until you, and so think of it like that, I guess. Think of it like a spiritual grounding. Like God's like, no, you're grounded until we work, you work this issue out. Didn't know God grounded people, did you? I didn't know that either. I just thought it was a good analogy. All right. So Isaiah 59, 2, right? In Billy Graham's explanation, he says, God's, it's not that he doesn't hear your prayer. He's not listening to it until you go back and deal with the issue. So you're, you're here and you're wondering, and, and I talk with people all the time, they're like, God's not hearing my prayers, God's not answering my prayers. You offended by something? Are you offended? You got sin in your life, you got stuff in your life that doesn't need to be there? 
Because if so, it's likely that God hears you. He's just not going to respond to it yet until you deal with this issue. What do you think happens then when you've got an entire church that's offended? What do you think happens when you've got an entire country that's constantly offended all the time? Think God hears the church's prayers or the country's prayers? Think about that. That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. If my, if my people, not, not those who are not my people, he says, if my people who are called by my name, Christians, people who want to be Christ-like, if my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and turn, I will then hear their prayer. That's heavy, isn't it? That's pretty heavy. But he said, that's why 1 John 1, 9 is in there. Because we all at some point, even myself, are Isaiah 59 too. At some point we do something and we get, we just, we sin and God's like, look, we've got to deal with this issue for us to move on. Okay, 1 John 1, 9, God, I'm sorry. What do I need to do to make amends? What, what can I do to make it right? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you've got a whole church of people that are offended, God's not listening to the prayers. And the church will stymie, and it won't grow, and it'll just deteriorate. Well, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe, I can't believe, you ready for this one? I can't believe they wanted the carpet that color. And we get offended over carpet. I know. You know how I know? Because I've grown up in church. You know what else I know? I'm married. I've seen us argue over the trash in the trash can. I mean, come on. (laughs) We get really petty as people sometimes, don't we? In the grand scheme of things. So... Anyway, I'm going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But just understand that if you're offended and you're holding on to that offense, God sees that as a major issue in your spiritual growth. Listen to what Paul says in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. In this also, I myself strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men through everything. Paul says, I really strive you know what that means? I have to work. Paul says, I got to work at this. I work at not being offended by God, and I really work at not being offended by people. Paul's like, I got to work at this. It, is, it doesn't come easy. Like sometimes I see somebody on my social media feed, and I just scroll on by. I'm like, nope, not going to read them, right? Not reading that. It's going to get me all worked up, and then I'm not going to be able to hear from God. I'm going to be mad at that person, and God's going to be like, look, I'm in the people business. Don't be mad at them. And so I just scroll on by. We don't have time to spend our lives living in offense of others. We don't have time for that. Right? And Paul says, I strive, I work at making sure my conscience is clear of not being offended by other people. Right? So how do you know if you're living in offense? How do we know this? This is something that we can examine for the next few weeks. How do I know if I'm living in offense? Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, you've got to get rid of every form of malice. The Greek here actually means malignant tumor. It's a malignant tumor. It's this thing that just, you know what a tumor does? It just grows. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't cut that thing out, it'll take over. Right? And before long, it's, it's, a, it's a deformity. 
and it, it will eventually take your life if the tumor's in the right spot. And so Paul says, listen, you've got to get rid of this malignant spiritual tumor that just keeps growing and eating at you mentally and eating at you emotionally. He's like, you've got to remove it. I'll never, forget, I'll never forget, I was working on a job, and I went to the break room. It was my break. It was my lunch break. So I'm sitting in the break room, and this lady comes in, and she sits down. And I... You ever have one of those moments like, you're such an idiot, Tyson. No, I don't mean you thought that about me. You thought that about yourself, right? You thought that about yourself. I'm sure some of you have followed me on Facebook and Instagram. You're like, yes, you're an idiot. But so she sits down and we just start talking. I didn't really know her. And I did it. I actually did this. I said, so when's the baby due? I did it. True story. And she goes, I'm not pregnant. And I went, just like that, probably for longer. And I was like, oh, no. I said, I am so sorry. I started apologizing and all of this stuff. And she goes, it's okay. She goes, it's a tumor. I'm like, oh. To this day, I feel horrible. And that's been like, after we were first married, so that's been like almost 15 years ago. But I, I feel horrible. And I, I, rem- I, I didn't want to say any more. I was like, I, I, what do you say? You can't say anything. And so I, I was like, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. I didn't know. And she goes, it's Okay. She goes, the doctors told me I need to have surgery. She goes, but my friend died while in the operating room, so I, I'm afraid to have surgery. And, it was God, and, and she just began to open up, and God opened a door for me to minister to her and talk to her there in the break room. But Paul tells the church at Ephesus that these sins, that these offenses that we hold on to become spiritual tumors, and they will just grow and grow and grow and cause deformities and cause issues. And so how do you know if you're living with an offense? Well, think about the people in your life. Think about the people that you know, the people that you're friends with. Specifically, think about the people you're not friends with. Why are you not friends with them? Do you have compassion for them? Do you want to see them do good and do, do well in life? Then likely you're not offended by them. It's the people that you're like, I'm just, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, Right? Now, it's one thing to cut people off because they're unhealthy and they're making your life unhealthy. That's okay. Cut them people off. I'm talking about the people, they just say stuff and they offended you and you're like, Mm-mm, I don't care. Right? And you just, you, just push them, you just push them away. Is it easy to be kind to the people that have offended you? Because if you can be kind to them and love them and care for them, then you're probably, you're probably over the offense. That tumor hasn't grown to the point where it's caused disformity in that relationship or in your spiritual life, right? But a lot of the offenses come from people who meddle in other people's business. So how do we handle people that meddle and talk and just say, well, I'll say what I want, and I, you know, I have no brain-mouth filter, I just say what I want and do what I want? Well, again, the Bible, King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, out of the Amplified Version, he says this. King Solomon tells his people, he says, also, do not take seriously everything that is said, right? 
quit taking everything so seriously all the time. Now, I'm not saying everything is a joke, but I'm saying quit taking everything. You know people that, right, like just take everything serious. You're like, lighten up, right? So Solomon says, don't take seriously everything that's said so that you will not hear your servant cursing you. He's like, because if you pay real close attention, if you pay too close attention to stuff that's not your business, you're going to hear people cursing you. You're going to hear people talking bad about you. Oh, that post on Facebook? Oh, no, no, that really wasn't about you. All right, like we just had that conversation like an hour ago, buddy. Right? So King Solomon says, listen, just quit taking everything so seriously. People are going to curse you. People are going to be, he goes, don't be so intent on having to know everything all the time and just being in everything. And then he goes on and he says, for you also know that you too have cursed others many times. He goes, goes both ways. Quit cursing other people. By cursing, he doesn't mean cussing at them. He means talking bad about them, talking negatively about them. Meddling in their business. Well, I wouldn't have done that. That was stupid. That was the dumbest idea I've ever seen. I don't know why I would. We all do it. We're all prone to it. Why? That's our fallen nature. That's our sinful nature coming out. Right? Listen, you're going to hear things. What King Solomon is saying, he's saying, when you hear things, just take them in stride. Steady as she goes. Go on about your business. We're in the business of winning souls and bringing people to Jesus. And if I get offended, I'm getting cut off. And so even though I'm praying for that person, guess what? God's like, I'm not listening until you come back around. And if you're really about winning souls, then you aren't taking offense at stuff. You're just like, we live in a fallen world. People are going to gripe. People are going to complain. People are going to be like, blah, 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 blah. And so you can't always take everything so serious all the time. I remember one of the things when, you're, when you take offense, and I remember this very vividly, I'm texting with a person, we're texting back and forth, and if you know me, and this just proves how much the person didn't know me, even though, right, they probably should have, but that's okay. I just hit the word, we were texting back and forth, and I just hit the letter K, and I sent it, K, like, okay. I, didn't have, I was in a hurry, and I didn't hit okay, or I just hit K. Back came, you know the email text? You ever had the email text? Look, just call me or dump it in an email. Of all of the texting etiquette and why the letter K is not okay for K because it's flippant and sarcastic and smart aleck. And I offended them by simply putting the letter K real quickly. I'm like, lesson learned. When I'm texting this person, don't put the letter K. Did you even know there was such a thing as texting etiquette? Anybody? Everybody shaking their heads no. See, I didn't know either. Apparently there is. Okay, the teenagers are like, okay. But, so is that offensive? K? Just the word K? Ah, I was being rude and didn't even know it. See? And then somebody took offense to that. So there you go. There's your texting lesson for today. Apparently, it's rude. So anyway, the point is, the point is this. That 
I offended them. I said, look, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. And now I know when I'm texting with them, I can't do that. Apparently, I'm not supposed to do that ever. So you just kind of move on. And, and the, on the other side, the person could have said, oh, didn't realize you didn't know that. It's okay. Okay. Right? So we have to be understanding with one another. And the last verse this morning as we get ready to close, King Solomon says again in Proverbs eleven twelve. Stupid people say bad things about their neighbors. His wisdom is just so blunt. Stupid people say bad things about their neighbors. Wise people know to be quiet. (laughs) Thank you, King Solomon. Wise people know to be quiet. One of my favorite quotes of all time, I'm going to end with this. Mark Twain said, and I have a coaster on my nightstand with that on there. So when I eat cookies and milk in bed, it's right there every time. It is better for people to think you're stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So I'm reminded every night when I go to bed, it is better for people to think you're stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So with that, I'm not going to say another word. Stand up. I'm going to ask uh, Aaron and Steve if you would come down on this side to your right and if Amy and Jesse would come down here. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, maybe you've had trouble this week, maybe you've had trouble for a year, maybe you need something and you need somebody to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you as we close out in song. Also, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord, the controller of your life, and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I want to acknowledge you as the one who's in charge of my life. The Bible says that when you do that, your name is written in a book in heaven. It is written in heaven that you are now a citizen of heaven and in the family of God. If you've never been made a part of the family of God, we want to pray with you. We've got some next steps for you to begin to grow spiritually. We want to invite you to do that this morning as we sing out.